Hey guys, welcome to the Drama Club. On this week's episode, May has the story of Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis. Stay tuned. What up, fam? What up, fam? Good, Feels good, right? Feels good, right? <laughs> yeah, I know it, dude. Yeah. I know it, dude. And without further ado, we broadcast live for CA. Pamela Anderson and her husband <laughs> taking a break after 12 long, hard days of marriage. Dude, my girl Pam, I didn't know that she could still bring the drama like that. That's awesome. I'm so proud of her. <laughs> a queen. Such a queen. <laughs> Marry a multimillionaire. Uh, Hey, what's the, as a, I'm going to ask your legal advice. Is that long enough to claim any sort of uh, <laughs> settlement in case they don't have a prenup? I hope so. I mean, <laughs> technically in California, like whatever is made during the marriage. So if Yo. in those 12 fucking days. Don't you, do you ever get like shook when you hear those things where it's like Jeff Bezos makes uh, a million dollars every 30 minutes or whatever the fuck it is <laughs> yeah i just saw some people hate jeff bezos <laughs> uh i just saw something on twitter going viral that was like he made whatever something like that yeah like it's, exactly what it's you just literally said. something like that i'm not All too far off of that figure it's something like that yeah and they were like this man could literally end world hunger and still have like a hundred billion dollars yeah and he's out there doing nothing <laughs> nothing but fucking, fucking weather Lauren girls Sanchez. or whatever the fuck <laughs> oh yeah uh, dude do you follow or like do you like those videos that are going viral where that guy is dressed like this girl he named her rosa and he's like come here May. dude come here yes that shit is so fucking funny I love him. <laughs> I was just on his Instagram because I needed a laugh. Uh, he almost makes me want to join TikTok. I know. Uh, that's so funny. I was talking about that with my cousins. Like, I think, is this the moment where it's like, oh, I'm old? Because like yeah. now it's like the first one where I don't, I'm not really interested in joining or. Mm. I, I, or it, I was like that with Snapchat, actually. Yeah, especially because Snapchat is not intuitive to me. Like the it, yeah. it's sort of difficult to use. Yeah, yeah. Snapchat died after they did that one upgrade. Yeah, and after well, it, then Instagram started doing stories. Yeah, and... so I think that was the nail in the coffin. No, actually, the nail in the coffin was when Kylie Jenner said like, "I don't fuck with it was Snapchat or something." Yeah, she was like, "I'm out," <laughs> and then the rest of the world was like, "I'm out." Of course, I do have an official role as wife of the president. And I think every first lady should do something in this position to help the things she cares about. I would hope that when I leave here, I will have done something to help in the arts where I, which, in which I'm so interested. Anything to do with children. I don't know what much there is to say even. That hasn't been said. Right. We all know Kobe Bryant passed away. Like, yeah. I mean, there's a lot. I mean, I think there's a lot, you know. I don't know. Fuck, I, I can't talk about it. I mean, I could talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> I actually wish I hadn't chosen the topic that I chose. I didn't mm -hmm. realize you were still going through it because mine is a little heavy too. Right. At times. Okay. Hey, man, that's life. Yeah. This, everything keeps going. Nobody stops for you. 
whatever feelings you have, you just have to adapt. Well, okay. So then let's just acknowledge that. Let's acknowledge Kobe and right. everybody. I think you guys know what how we feel about it. We've talked about him a lot over the course of the podcast, but it doesn't change the fact that this is a tragedy. And I mean, it's a sad day for everyone who lost lives uh, for futures that were cut short. And it's just, it's sad. There's not much, there's not much else to say that hasn't been said. This is the drama mm. club. <laughs> Full of drama. Yeah. So if you guys are feeling any type of way, we're here for you. We hear you. Reach out to your family. Uh, enjoy them because as we know, nothing is guaranteed. It's not forever. Our thoughts are with everyone. So Welcome. <laughs> Let's uh let's pick it up if not uh if not too too much because I got a little bit of a sad story today. <laughs> <laughs> My name is May. My name is Stephanie, and this is El Club de Drama. This is the podcast about sad scandals, stuff. <laughs> celebrities, uh, a bunch of shit we shouldn't even be talking about. <laughs> welcome, welcome. If this is your first time. Uh, Ooh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry to this man. Oh, did you see that video of Jessica Simpson going viral this no, week? No, that was what something I wanted to talk about instead of Kobe, though. Jessica Simpson. Because did you see all the stuff that's coming out because of her book? No. Okay, we, I mean. No, go so, ahead, go ahead. So she said uh, that she had an alcohol problem. Interesting. And she said she was drunk on an appearance on Ellen in 2017 Oh, and shit, so, that's like, recent. that clip went viral, and, like, I watched it, and you, she's fucking drunk. Like, you could tell. No way. And Jessica's like, I, I I hate, like, I will never watch that clip of me. Like, that she went mm -hmm. date drinking before the show. Wow. I know. And it's, like, pretty fucking obvious when you look at it now. Right. Is she sober now? Now she's sober, she yeah. Say? Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Wow. Oh, I finished watching the... um the morning show oh i want to start watching it it is yeah okay wait <laughs> until i finish then mm -hmm. also chloe sevigny is pregnant and i thought that was crazy i love that yeah, yeah. Her yeah little, i know her little pregnancy picture was cute as fuck i like uh that everyone started sharing pictures of her because she's like an underrated like fashion icon she's an icon and like everyone started sharing pictures of her i was like today is a good day yeah queridos amigos so today I'm going to tell the story of Jackie Kennedy Onassis. Oh, wow. I was thinking about uh, JFK Jr. a lot because it kind of reminded me just because it's similar, like a, a flying accident. Mm -hmm. uh, everybody was like comparing it to all these different. Yeah, my mom was like telling me that she felt like <clears throat> this is the first time it's reminded her of like when princess diana passed she was like everybody's sad it's everywhere it's mm. all over the like you can't go in a grocery store without seeing it on a magazine you can't turn on the tv without hearing about it she says she hadn't remembered it anything like that since princess diana's death which i thought was interesting i wonder if it's like that outside of los angeles and greater los angeles area i don't know i would 
I, I keep thinking about the day the music died. I wonder if it was like that, but I'm not hearing anybody talk about that. But also that's like, that was a long time ago. So, And that was kind of like a niche in music. It's not like, I don't think they were like that big and well-known. Yeah, certainly more so after their death for sure. But it was uh, like a, a few different genres of music, which I think was uh, interesting. Because that was probably, that probably meant like different groups of people. Yeah. All right. So for this, a few months ago, I actually read The Fabulous Bouvier Sisters by Nancy Schoenberger and Sam Kashner, which was recommended to us by our listener, Melina. So super shout out to Melina because we also got a postcard from her. Yay. And did we get a, we got a postcard from our friend Katie Yeager. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Katie. That was adorable. She says she found she tried to find the most Wyoming ass postcard, which was hilarious. Oh. <laughs> OK, so this was a really great book and I can totally recommend it to lots of drama. But this week I also read Jacqueline Kennedy Bouvier Anassis, The Untold Story by Barbara Leeming, which is also good, but not as juicy. So I was a reading ass bitch for this episode. I was in the middle of finally reading the Elizabeth Holmes Theranos book, Bad Blood, mm. <laughs> but I had to stop reading it so, I, so that I could do this. So I'll pick that up uh, this week and I'll tell you guys about it next time. Jacqueline Lee Bouvier was born on July 28th, 1929 in Southampton, New York. So what does that tell you already? Southampton, we're talking money. The estates of all the famous families you can think of were here at some point. Think for DuPont. Vanderbilt, etc. Jackie's dad was a stockbroker that went by Black Jack Bouvier. Black Jack because he was dark as fuck because he loved to tan. So I don't know how I feel about that nickname. And her mom was Janet Norton Lee. And the family was all up in society columns and shit. The Bouvier side of the family were these like super snobby, old money, rich people who would always talk about how they were descended from French nobility. That actually turned out not to be true, but that's like what they would always point to and they love that shit. It was drilled into Jackie and her little sister Lee, who was born four years later, their whole lives too. So they always thought that that made them special and superior. After I read The Fabulous Bouvier Sisters, I had hoped to maybe do this episode on Jackie and Lee as a pair, but there's just like so much about Jackie that we need to get into that it wouldn't have worked out. Also, I really want to give Lee her own shine, so she deserves her own thing, like when he did Princess Margaret. And there are a lot of parallels between Elizabeth and Margaret and Jackie and Lee. Anyway, so their mom was a socialite, and she she was new money. Her dad was a self-made man, and the Bouviers looked down on her and never let her forget it. So right off the bat, know that money and status and class are huge factors running through the story. But the thing is, Blackjack was a little, I want to say, like, ballsy about his money. As a stockbroker, he took a lot of huge risks, which would often pay off, but also very often not. Mm. So he was already not as wealthy as previous generations of the Bouviers. But then remember that Jackie was born in 1929. And what else mm. happens in 1929? Black Tuesday, the Great Crash that kicks off the Great Depression. And Blackjack pretty much loses everything and never recovers. Mm. So now Blackjack is a fucking scrub 
And on top of everything, he's a drunk. And he is notoriously and infamously unfaithful to Janet. And the rumors are always all up in the society pages because the man got bitches. He was super indiscreet about it, too. There was even a photo that ran in the papers of Blackjack and Janet that showed he was holding another woman's hand behind her back, to which Janet was oblivious. So it's like super humiliating stuff. Finally, in 1936, Janet divorced him and took the girls. And of course, this was messy and all up in the papers, too. So Jackie's home life as a kid was rough. And her mom, Janet, was tough on her. It seems like Janet made no secret that Lee was her favorite, and she resented Jackie because Jackie looked a lot like Blackjack. And Blackjack fucking loved his girls. Whenever he had a little money in his pocket, he would spoil the shit out of them. And the girls loved him, and especially Jackie. She idolized him because she was his favorite. He called her, quote, the most beautiful daughter a man ever had. Oh, Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is shitty because he has two daughters. Right. So... Well, so does Trump. <laughs> <laughs> true, true. <laughs> so, yeah. Shout out to my girl, Lee. Anyway, Janet was hard on Jackie, borderline abusive. I mean, today we'd call it abuse, but at the time it was, like, I guess normal. But Jackie would get slapped for, like, the smallest offenses, especially when Janet had been drinking. This made me sad because by all accounts, Jackie, from the time she was very little, was super sensitive and bright and artistic. So how could you just like not love on this little girl, you know? She loved to read and she was great at languages because of the legend of their French lineage. She took a particular interest in French and she spoke it perfectly, but she was also conversational, if not fluent, in Spanish and Italian from the time she was a kid. That's amazing. Yeah. Janet remarried in 1942 and married well. Jackie's new stepdad was Standard Oil heir Hugh Dudley Auchincloss Jr. So now we're at a different level of wealth. This is oil money. But Hugh had his own kids already from his previous marriage. I think he had three. So he didn't think of these girls as his own kids and his money was not their money especially after janet had kids with him janet's dad i think paid jackie and lee's tuition and blackjack could only afford to give the girls 50 dollars a month so if you notice the girls are not rich but they're being raised in a wealthy environment and janet used her allowance or whatever to make sure they looked the part they basically invented being hood rich but they're Catholic, which at the time was, especially in these circles, super weird and looked down upon, especially now that they're at this oil money social level. So Jackie always felt like kind of an outsider. Jackie went to the famous finishing school, Miss Porter's in Connecticut. Shout out to Connecticut, the queen of Connecticut, our girl Darcy from 90 Day Fiance. <laughs> I, I see you in the commercials for the next season of Before the 90 Days. Anyway, Miss Porter's was and is one of the fanciest and most elusive prep schools in the country. And at the time, it was where girls went to become, quote unquote, finished, meaning they were ready for marriage. If some of them chose to go to college after, it was usually just as a sort of waiting room while they waited for the dudes they liked to be ready for marriage. But Jackie wrote in her yearbook that her life's ambition was, quote, not to be a housewife. So it was clear that she had other things in mind for herself. 
1947, she enrolled at Vassar. The summer before college, she made her debut and was named Debutante of the Year by the famous society columnist Igor Cassini. This was a big-ass deal. This was like winning the fucking Oscar or Miss America or some shit. And it was a shock move because remember, she's not really rich and also she's Catholic. So people were fucking shook. But as Queen Deb, her stock went way, way up. And now she's on everyone's radar and was being considered as serious marriage material for all the men from the quote unquote best families. So that's the position she's in when she starts her first semester at Vassar. So our girl was fucking crushing it. Her grades are stellar. She's doing all the extracurriculars. She's in the art club. She's in the drama club. (laughs) She writes for the newspaper. She's doing everything. She goes to Manhattan every weekend to go to all the best society parties and also to get away from school because she low-key hated it there. She had wanted to go to Sarah Lawrence, but her parents forced her to go to Vassar and Jackie called it, quote, fucking Vassar every time she brought it up. And the girls there were like kind of shitty to her. I think they were salty because she was Queen Deb. So they would make fun of her for every little thing. They would roast Jackie because she had huge hands and huge fucking feet. I think she wore a size 10 or 11, which I wear a size 10, but I'm 5'10". Jackie was like 5'6 or Mm. (laughs) 5'7". They would also talk shit about her dad behind her back. And it was really sad because she, because like, she would see that all the girls would line up to talk to him and sort of flirt with him when he, her dad? Yeah. When he came to visit. And Jackie thought that was because he was so charming and lovable that they just like all loved him. But really what they were doing is just like making fun of him and her, like doing that to make fun of them and calling him a dirty old man and shit. Meanwhile, she has this boyfriend named Bev Corbin, who was a student at Harvard, who she was super wishy-washy about. He'd come to see her at Vassar, and he'd go see her at her mom and stepdad's crib for tea when she went home. So this is like serious stuff at the time. This is her man's. But one day, Bev finally made his move to kiss her, and she recoiled. He was salty about this and wrote her a letter asking if she loved him. Later, she wrote him a letter back saying, quote, I do love you, though, and can love you without kissing you every time I see you, and I hope you understand that. But then a few months later, she broke up with him in a letter saying, quote, I've always thought of being in love as being willing to do anything for the other person, starve to buy them bread and not mind living in Siberia with them. And I've always thought that every minute away from them would be hell. So looking at it that way, I guess I'm not in love with you. So... She was a motherfucking savage. She didn't have to do him like that, but I still stand. Anyway, cut to her junior year. It's 1949. Jackie is about to be 21, and she decides to do a year of study abroad in Paris at the Sorbonne, which was where she really improved her French and thought it her way through France. She had hella, hella boyfriends, although I'm not sure if she was doing sex stuff. Maybe, but you have to remember that back then, if you were a lady, you didn't really rub butts. Not before marriage, anyway. So Jackie still hadn't gotten married, which technically made her a failure as far as debutantes go. And this was... She's 20? Yeah. Oh, fuck. And this was Queen Deb, debutante of the year, which made her look super bad. 
This is like when you're the number one draft pick in the NBA and end up being a bust. I'm looking at you, Kwame Brown. I'm looking at you, Greg Oden. Anyway, so three years passed, debutante of the year. Now, of course, there's been three more seasons of fresh young debutantes coming through, which made Jackie look like an old maid, including but not limited to her baby sister, Lee, who was also named debutante of the year this year. And Lee was prettier, sexier, and more stylish, and also super popular with the dudes. So things low-key are bad for Jackie. But while she's in France, she gets kind of a glimpse of an alternative lifestyle. Like, what if I don't get married and just move to Europe and try to become a diplomat or work at a museum or something? So she herself hasn't really started to panic, but her circle was talking shit. And I'm sure her family, especially Janet, was like stressed the fuck out. After her year in France, Jackie transferred to George Washington University, finally escaping fucking Vassar, where she majored in French literature and graduated in 1951. Then she won this nationwide essay contest, beating out over a thousand girls to win an internship at Vogue, working six months out of the year in the New York office and then six months out of the Paris office. So this is perfect for her. And the summer before the internship starts, she and Lee travel throughout Europe alone together, and it's a really special time for the two of them as sisters. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Yeah, super awesome. They actually, this is like the only autobiographical autobiographical thing that Jackie ever wrote. It's a thing that she wrote with Lee. It's like their, um, like their diaries from that summer. That's cute. It's, yeah. This is like, when I read that, I was like, oh, I would love to have a sister and do this. So back in New York, it's the first day of her internship at Vogue when her boss is like, dude, Jackie, can I be real with you for a second? You are 22 years old. If you do this internship, you're not going to be able to find a man to marry this year and then you'll be too old and you'll never get married. What the actual fuck? (laughs) Then Jackie thought about it for a minute and she was like, fuck, you're right. And she quit at the end of that day. What the heck? And she moved back to D.C. Do you? A thousand girls tried to do this. Yeah. Are you kidding? I would kill to do this. Internet. 22 years old? Yeah. I wouldn't want to work at Vogue, but I'm not quitting anything at 22 (laughs) because I need to get married. (laughs) The fuck? (laughs) In D.C., she got a job at the Washington Times Herald. At first as a receptionist, but just one week later, she asked for more challenging work. And she got an assignment called Inquiring Camera Girl, which was really cool she'd find interesting people on the street take their photo and then come up with a witty question to ask them and select a good quote from their answer and they'd run the picture and quote in the paper Ooh, she's like an original blogger yes she's so she's cute, like that dude. people from new york that's exactly <laughs> that's exactly what she what she was she started that mm-hmm. shit her boss only let her do this on the condition that she was committed to the work and wasn't just using the job to find a man and quit three months later or whatever. And she promised that it wasn't like that. Also around this time in 1951, she went to a party organized by matchmakers for her to meet a certain handsome 34-year-old eligible bachelor by the name of Congressman John F. Kennedy. It turns out that they had met once before while she was still at Vassar. She was traveling by train from school to her family's house and he flirted with her, but she wasn't feeling him. But now at the party, they started to talk a little and he asked her out for a nightcap at the end of the night when he walked her to her car. But 
one of her homies noticed her car on the street when he was walking by and he had hopped in the back seat to surprise her and he this is like fucking scary i would be i would have cried anyway so he hopped out when she and jfk got close to the car and she ended she ended up going to hang out with that dude so jfk totally got cock blocked but but she gave him her number and he said that he'd call her but he never did so then she starts dating this dude named John Houston, and it's a whirlwind romance. After just one month of dating, they got engaged, and he gave her this huge sapphire and diamond ring. In January of 1952, their engagement was announced in the New York Times. But just a few months later, Jackie says that she realized that John was, quote, immature and boring. And she says one day when they were leaving his family's house, she slipped off her engagement ring and wordlessly just put it in his pocket. And he knew what the fuck that meant. <laughs> the engagement was off. So once again, my bitch Jackie is a motherfucking savage and I stand. Also, she was kind of embarrassed when she told her boss that she was engaged because he was like, I fucking told you so. You promised it wasn't going to be like this. So like the whole vibe of the engagement was off from the jump. Right. During these few months that she was engaged, JFK had been seeing this girl. Actually, as per usual, he was seeing like a dozen girls. But he did have a main girl. But that main girl got tired of his ass and dropped him. And he was heartbroken. He was walking around town sulking. Sulking his dick into Mary and Jane and Sally and whoever, but still sulking. Anyway, for some reason, after seeing him around at parties and stuff looking like that, he started to look more appealing to Jackie. And now they were both single, so they started casually dating. Meanwhile, he had recently announced that he'd be running for the Senate. So low-key, he was also looking for a wife because in politics in this country, especially at the time, they needed for you to be a family man if you were going to be a successful career politician. It was right. just a fact of political life which really sucked because jack really really wasn't trying to get married he was a thought he fucking loved women and he was dating hella women at the time including audrey hepburn which i was like what would have happened if he'd married audrey instead hmm she's like she totally reminds me of jackie totally and yeah, she he has a type. And also, like he's dating women, kind of shopping around for his wife. So I think he's totally trying to cast who would play the best role as his wife, you know? Right. And right. the Audrey, I think, would have been perfect. And that would have been like a sensation, I think. People would have loved yeah. that shit. Who was Audrey Hepburn's husband? I don't know. Andrea Doty, an Italian psychiatrist. Were they married for a long time? Uh, 1969 to 1982. That's 13 years. That's pretty good. Oh, she was married to Mel Fair before that. Hmm. Oh, fuck. And he was married to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you're right. Totally the same type. I kept thinking about Audrey in the pink Chanel suit. Yeah. <laughs> okay, anyway, so he was literally the most eligible man in the country and he was loving it. He was rich as fuck. As we know, the Kennedy family had motherfucking money. And he was handsome and charming and seemed to have a bright future ahead of him. So Jackie thought he was hot. And they got along well. They actually had a lot in common intellectually. 
they were both into the same types of books and were avid readers. And they were both Catholic, which was pretty cool because that was rare in the in their circles. Right. So Jackie pretty quickly was like, he's the one. Plus, being the wife of a senator would kind of keep her sim- stimulated because remember, she didn't want to be, quote, just a housewife. Right. So she was all about him. But he thought of her as just one of many. Anyway, they got to know each other over long lunches in his office, and she featured him in her newspaper column. So she was kind of making it known that she was into him and kind of also sort of fishing for that proposal, which turned JFK off because he had this thing about, quote unquote, thirsty women. As soon as a woman got thirsty in his eyes, he'd immediately start talking shit to his friends about her and like completely lose interest. He'd be one of those fuck boys today who would like show his friends a completely normal text from a girl and be like, look at this thirsty bitch or whatever. (laughs) So he wasn't, he kind of wasn't feeling her anymore. And people were warning Jackie, stay away from him. He's a thought. He's too old for you. He was 12 years older, by the way. But Janet was kind of pushing him on her because Janet saw dollar signs. So Jackie was kind of around a lot during the run up to his election as senator in Massachusetts. So she got to spend a lot of time around his family. And that's when Joe Kennedy, JFK's dad, basically told Jack that she's the one. You've got to marry her. I'll get you the ring. You've got to give her, but get it done. And the Kennedy boys basically had to do whatever their dad said. He ran that fucking family with an iron fist. I think we touched on that a little bit in our episode about Teddy Kennedy and Chappaquiddick. Yeah. And so that was that. And Jack proposed to her via telegram shortly after his election. It seems like she didn't say yes right away, though. He did take her as his date to President Eisenhower's inauguration. So that's when they were officially a couple and were in public together and shit. What a hot date. (laughs) I mean, it's probably nice. It's probably like going to the prom. Yeah. Because they have balls and shit after. Yeah. (laughs) And so a few months after the inauguration, Jackie went to Europe for a month on assignment to cover Queen Elizabeth's coronation which is around the time I think she finally accepts. I think Papa Joe stepped in and said something to her because all of a sudden there was a scramble to make the announcement in the New York Times in June of 1953. And it all happened so quickly that they had to use the same photo of her that ran in the paper when she got engaged to John Houston. (laughs) But yeah, Joe thought, aside from her being a quote-unquote well-bred Catholic, liked that she was sort of wasp-adjacent, especially because of who her stepdad was and stuff. So, so he thought this was the perfect accessory that would make JFK look like the full package when it came time for him to seek higher office. He, but aside from that, like he really liked her and she got along with Joe. So they're totally using her, but it's a bonus that she's actually a great girl. So really what more could you ask for for your son? Right. Although the Kennedy women mocked her behind her back and would refer to her as the Deb the deb yeah because she was queen deb like debutante oh debutante yeah anyway by september of that year 1953 the two were married our old friend blackjack got super shwasted at the wedding and didn't make it to the reception nice he was mad that she was marrying into the kennedy family because blackjack had a vendetta against joe kennedy In the aftermath of the crash, Joe was named head of the newly created SEC, and he outlawed all the risky practices that made both he and Blackjack very rich. 
and caused the crash. Joe had miraculously come out fairly unscathed because I guess he had like wide and varied business interests, but mm-hmm. it ruined Blackjack, as we know. And in his eyes, Joe's actions kept him from recovering. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Allow me to continue doing <laughs> all the shady shit. <laughs> I mean, that's basically where we're at right now after the Great Recession. Seriously. <laughs> How about this? JFK was such a scumbag that throughout the time that they were publicly official and engaged, his dad made sure he had a friend around him at all times so that when he was in public hitting on women, sleeping with women, he could just play it off like, oh, no, that girl, the one that's with us, she's the homie's girlfriend, not mine. Mm. They fucking knew how he was. You you know how I get, dude. You know how I get. (laughs) They're so like interesting their whole family like the kennedy men the dynamics between yeah. them and how just they're... like the the whole like your whole life is just like a facade to fill mm-hmm. these shoes and like to play politics like that like a straight up game yeah that shit's so interesting because mm-hmm. i mean when you've achieved that level of wealth and to this point status what else is there for you than to pursue power right you know or at least just maintain that status right maintain the status so they're like the way that their means of achieving that has shaped history i think is crazy and just like using other people as pawns Mm -hmm. and yeah just that shit's fucking wild right i wonder what would have happened if the first son joe jr hadn't died because then it just would have been all on him and right. like and yeah. JFK would have been allowed to be a fuckboy probably. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. For their honeymoon, Jackie and Jack went to Acapulco. Hell yeah. <laughs> and this was really the first extended period that the couple spent alone. Until not too long into it, Jack weirdly invited a pair of friends to join them. This like married couple. Hmm. And he would disappear. This is their honeymoon. <laughs> Right, And he would disappear with his homie to go to party sometimes, leaving their wives behind. Hmm. What year is this now? This is 53. Okay. And Jackie's like 18. (laughs) (laughs) I think she's 21 or 22. 22 at most. So they'd leave the wives behind, not unlike when when he would always have a friend around him before he and Jackie were married. Right. And then at some point during the honeymoon... He was like, yeah, so Jackie, you should head home to Hyannisport. Me and this homie are going to go kick it in California for a bit. I'll catch up with you later. (laughs) They're a fucking honeymoon. I can't. Oh, my God. He literally does not give a fuck. So that's when Jackie broke down and confided to her friends about what was happening and about what she should do. Which I wonder, like, what advice could you even give this woman? Like, this is so beyond. I don't know, because, like. Obviously, Jackie is doesn't nobody deserves this, right? Like, no one, yeah, <laughs> nobody does. But back in that time, aren't women also just kind of like looking at not like completely obviously, mm-hmm. but like part of them is just looking to fit a certain mold, also for sure, for sure. And of and we know that she felt that pressure to do that, right? And then you feel that pressure. And so she fi- she kind of has it with him, right? And mm-hmm. now she's married and he has this great status and potential future. So like no matter how she's feeling, nobody's going to tell her to leave that fool. Right. Yeah. Nobody. And she probably 
would never have i mean obviously mm-hmm. you know like yeah. she'll never because like even though it's awful it's still everything she wants it's still the picture she wants yeah from the outside right, right. yeah like surface level yeah shit. and that's like which that prob- is so important to them back then probably the most important yeah i just think it caught her off guard that it was happening so quickly so fast yeah oh yeah can like remember in Mad Men when uh oh uh Pete and his wife Trudy Trudy remember when she's like I gave you a fucking apartment yeah. like yes. he can't even like get yeah. it together enough to like at least make a little effort right to be discreet and like she apartment. knows the deal my yeah. dude she's just asking for you to oh, at God. least I love Trudy so much dude. she's badass she's, yeah yeah she's a boss bitch I love her she's Jackie yeah she's totally Jackie yeah she's Jackie oh. I always think about that speech that she gives him where she's like, if you fucking even like lower the fly of your pants. Yeah, I will fucking <laughs> I murder will you basically. Because yeah. <laughs> he fucks the neighbor. That's why she gets so like yeah. up in arms. She's like, are you fucking kidding me? Like the neighbor, like you don't even respect me that much. Yeah, right. Ugh, love her. Okay. And another thing. He wanted her to live in his small bedroom that he's lived in since he was born. Like, he wanted her to live there during the week while he was in Washington. And then he'd come up on weekends to join her. Like, that's what he wanted their life to be. Okay. <laughs> so this man had no intentions of ever being alone with her. Right. So there Jackie is, kicking it with her in-laws most of the time. Reading the books she found in Jack's room to try to get to know him better, to try to at least, like, I don't know, make this better, like, make their relationship better somehow by relating to him more or something, you know? Mm-hmm. While he's doing who knows what with hoes all week in Washington. At least she got to know her in-laws during this time, I guess. And Joe really came to think of her as a daughter. Because, remember, they had lost their, like, JFK's, I think, older sister, if not, like, the sister that was, like, a little bit younger than him right she died in a plane crash i think but so they had kind of had this hole that they were missing and she came and filled that which i think is kind of nice that is nice but jackie was all in she really she like truly loved him yeah she loved his imagination and his ambition and this was the man for her right but he really could not give up his women and it wasn't even your regular schmegular everyday cheating. This was some next level shit. He and Jackie would straight up be at a party. And then Jackie would realize that she hadn't seen him for a while. And come to find out he left with another woman. <laughs> this happened <laughs> multiple times. This wasn't a one-time thing. This always happened to her. Um... So she, So she's being humiliated all over Washington. And it's not a secret. Everybody knows about it. And Washington is like a small town, you know, so... Oh, yeah. And another thing. Jesus. JFK was in really bad health, and no one ever disclosed this to Jackie before they were married. Really? Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Jack had been... They, like, it was all PR for them. Like, all the... All, well, I'll get into it. So, Jack had been very sickly since he was a kid. He'd had scarlet fever and almost died when he was very, very young. Oh, shit. And then he had a string of, like, other illnesses and ailments. Regu- like, from regular shit to, like, not regular shit. Right, but he was just, like, prone to being sick and shit. Mm-hmm. And then he had a really terrible back injury from the war. Mm. And also, most likely, a slew of venereal diseases during the war. Because 
you know mm-hmm. you know how soldiers be mm-hmm. actually is that a stereotype i don't know anyway and most seriously he had addison's disease which at the time was kind of a devastating disorder that people died of it's when the adrenal glands don't produce enough steroid hormones it's still a lifelong chronic disease today but it's manageable but back then it was kind of a death sentence at some point Just a few years before he started dating Jackie, JFK was given one year to live following a serious infection. Holy shit. People with Addison's are super susceptible to infection and complications from surgery and are generally weak and have chronic pain and a slew of other issues. After he was given that terrible prognosis, Jack ended up consulting a different endocrinologist who was like, no, I think we can get a handle on this. This doesn't have to be a death sentence for you. And that doctor really saved his life. Wow. And that doctor was basically by his side like forever after that he's like there's at the wedding there's photos of him of the doctor like close because he needed management even during the wedding he couldn't just like stand there for the hour or whatever however long the ceremony it's probably long i mean if we're being real it was catholic it's catholic think of my ceremony double it yours wasn't that bad yours was kind of short my cousin maria's was like fucking it felt it well i was young so it felt like four hours long (laughs) god it felt long to me so obviously he lived past this particular crisis but his health was and his quality of life continued to uh deteriorate he was in so much chronic pain and so weak that he was losing the ability to walk and use crutches most of the time oh wow this was something that jackie didn't know until after they were married because he and the rest of the kennedys did everything that they could to hide it He'd walk to his office, but as soon as he was out of view of the public, he'd collapse in pain or start using his crutches. Or he'd, he'd do a photo op throwing a baseball for photographers and then 10 minutes later be laid out on the floor writhing in pain. Wow. He even went water skiing on his honeymoon, so Jackie was shocked the first time she saw how bad everything really was. And finally, he couldn't take it anymore. The back pain was killing him, so he consulted a doctor who proposed a risky surgery that involved fusing two bones of his spinal column together, and even then, he couldn't guarantee that it would be effective. So Fucking orthopedic surgeries, guys. I don't know. That is the most scary kind of surgery to me, especially just, like, the tools that they use, because they're straight up using, like, fucking drills and saws and shit, like... (laughs) Just as somebody who has seen several... I honestly... Of five years in working in like orthopedic type with orthopedic injuries, maybe like five times have ever seen anybody get a success. Yeah. Yeah. From a surgery. Yeah. It almost always just leads to chronic pain, pain management, just like fucking more surgeries. And yeah, for sure. The back is a very take. Don't take that lightly. If you ever need uh, like a procedure on your back. Yes. So. So this, as you're pointing out, would have been a risky surgery for anyone. But for someone with Addison's, this is borderline reckless. But he opts to go for it. So that's how you know that he must have been in unimaginable pain. So in late 1954, he makes up a story and tells the press that he'll be on leave from the Senate while he undergoes back surgery for his old war injury. Meanwhile, Jackie, who's a few months pregnant, suffers a miscarriage. Mm. this whole time is just really stressful and terrible 
So she's in the hospital with him before his surgery and she's in a bad place because she just lost his pregnancy and he's about to undergo this life-threatening surgery. And sure enough, it goes wrong. Very, very wrong. Jack gets a UTI following the surgery and is unable to fight off the infection. That infection becomes grave and he's in excruciating pain. Oh my gosh. He cries out for Jackie and they don't let her go see him and he fell into a coma. Wow. So the doctors try their best to help him, but over the course of a few days, he's getting worse and worse to the point where the family was told he wasn't going to make it through the night. This is crazy, man. I didn't know about this. They hid this. This, this was like fucking wild. their whole thing about JFK, the fam- Joe's Joe's point and PR around him was like, make him look young and vital. This is going to be our young and vital first Catholic president. Wow. You know, so it was like hey, they fucking did. It. They did it. <laughs> it. They couldn't do this today because we have like we're just so easily accessible to celebrities and to yeah exactly people of interest back then you could just like i mean how many photographers were there how many (laughs) journalists you pay off those three you're good you know yeah so yeah anyway so they told him they told the family that he was going to make it through the night so they call in the priest to do the last rites wow yeah jackie says that that night she prayed for the first time in her life oh shit and somehow the hospital staff was able to save him and he pulled through. Crazy. After Jack, after that, Jackie says that she made a vow never to be kept from him again. Because like, you know how they fucking were back then? They'd be like, no, you can't come in here or whatever. Like to the family and stuff. Yeah. And so she was like, she held this grudge and I guess guilt that when he was crying out to her, she didn't go see him. They, they only let her in. Like, as they were doing the last rites and she was, like, praying by his bedside. Right. Time goes by and he's finally able to leave the hospital and start recovery at home. So he's been a senator, but he hasn't been there this whole time, basically. (laughs) 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 So they let him go home after he had a special hospital bed installed at the house. But he was told that the surgery was not a success and that he'd never walk again. P.S. This whole time, everyone in Washington has no idea that any of this is happening. They still think that he just had like a slip disc or like whatever the fuck. All of this is super crazy to me. But what's crazier is that almost immediately after he was pulled back from the brink of death, Jack started writing to his Swedish bitch named Gunilla von Post, who he met one time the month before he married Jackie. He was telling her how he loved her and how he was horny for her and and fantasizing about her. And he was like, yeah, baby, I just had this little back surgery. No big deal. But we got to hook up when I come to Europe this summer. He cannot Uh, walk. He just almost died and he cannot walk. And he's like, yeah, don't worry. (laughs) He thinks he could thrust. (laughs) Sir, please relax. Let me guess. He was probably a lazy fuck. Like, oh, yeah. Because he was always in pain and shit. You know, he just fucking laid there. Yeah. Hats off to you, my dude. <laughs> I'm not mad at that. <laughs> I respect it. <laughs> He's stiff all the time. His back was stiff. His dick was stiff. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this fucker is like like old school sexting a girl that he fucked one time mm-hmm. while, while his wife is literally wiping his ass and taking care of him 24 hours a day. You hate to see it. You fucking hate to see it men Hmm. also no one in this family tells jackie shit 
She says, she says, so you're, you're hella <laughs> up in arms over JFK, man. You're hella slut shaming him and everything. Yes, because yeah. I mean, like, just be a slut, but be real with your wife, you know? Like, or don't have a wife. <laughs> right, know? don't have a wife. Yeah. So, yeah, it would be cool <laughs> if it was like their agreement. Open, yes yes and like she was in on it and like like trudy like where she was like right i'm fine if you keep up the fucking appearances that i want right right go ahead and fuck who you want but i don't know that it would have been that hard to find a wife i don't think so either i think like you you i mean we have this idea right that of Mm -hmm. like whatever romance and and marriage or whatever but Mm -hmm. there's plenty of people who are willing to get married for other reasons Oh, for sure. Yeah, and marriage and that's isn't, perfectly fine. Marriage isn't just one thing. It's no, like hell no, it's not. There's literally like uh there's this very famous alimony court case where this child was trying to get this his dad's wife to not get shit, right? Mm-hmm. And um like she was like very real about it with the judge. Like she was like, We got married for he wanted a beautiful wife and he wanted somebody that he could show off and mm-hmm. make love with. And I wanted somebody with money. And that there was our go. marriage. And yeah. that was our agreement. And the like the judge was like, that's what marriage is. It's just like an agreement to be together for the rest of your life. And that was the one they made. And <laughs> whatever. Well, I mean, that's a beautiful thing right there. If you can yeah. find people with uh, goals that align with yours. I mean, yeah, that's fucking huge. And to commit a whole ass life. I mean, right. fuck, she deserves everything. <laughs> And so did he, that guy. Like, he deserved his end of the bargain, too. And he got it, I'm sure. So what happened in the case? Oh, that she got everything that she was entitled to. Like oh, they were nice. That they were trying to keep her from. Well, the American court system wins again. Oh. <laughs> Hardly ever does. But, yeah. <laughs> but when they get it right, boy, do they get it right. <laughs> so anyway, uh... No one in this family is telling Jackie shit. She says that she walked in on Joe talking to Jack one time about the vice presidency. And she was like, excuse me, you're trying to pursue higher office? Like, she thought, oh, he's, like, trying to be a senator and, like, let's do this shit. But she didn't. She never realized that he wanted to be president or anything. Right. Against all odds, Jack learns to walk again. And with the help of a lot, a lot of pain medication, he goes back to work. Again, doing the thing where he makes a big show of walking into his office, but behind closed doors uses a cane or crutches or a chair sometimes. When the Senate breaks for the summer, he and Jackie go to Europe, where he manages to take off to Sweden for a week, allegedly on some work shit, but really to meet this woman, Gunilla. There he tells Gunilla that he intends on divorcing Jackie as soon as he gets back to the States, and he tells Gunilla's parents that he intends to marry her. Wow. Yeah, so I he was this is like real, real. Right. When he got to back to the United States, he eventually wrote to her saying that he told his dad that he was going to divorce Jackie, but his dad said no. Which I don't know if that's true. I mean, it could be true. But he also just could have been like gassing her and her family up or whatever. Mm-hmm. But what? But the point is that he was being very indiscreet and putting it out there that he wanted to divorce her. Mm-hmm. In 1956, Jackie got pregnant again. JFK wanted a large family and made no secret that he wanted to catch up to his little brother, Bobby, who had four plus another one on the way. Also, Jack endorsed Adlai Stevenson for the presidency, thinking that Adlai would offer him the VP slot on the ticket. 
But when Adlai won the Democratic nomination, he did this weird thing where he let the convention vote on who the VP nominee would be. And JFK came, JFK came in second. So he was like fucking furious. He thought that Adlai did him dirty. Right. Because he was supposed to be named the VP. And then all of a sudden he pulls this shit and like it, his ego was really rocked by this. So JFK was fuming. But he gave this crazy inspiring speech at the end of the DNC formally nominating Stevenson. And in an instant, that turned him into a national star. Kind of like Obama at the 2004 convention. Remember? And he's in like a rain jacket. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And he's just fucking so amazing. So Jack is in his fucking feels that he suffered in his mind his first career setback because he didn't win this VP slot. Mm. And he tells Jackie, who was eight months pregnant Mm. and running and she was like working for him she was at the convention running around trying to get votes for him when he was trying to become the vp like he he tells her that he's not gonna go home with her because he wants to go to europe to sail on a yacht with his boys okay and he just takes off she's literally still at the convention and they're like you know let's go home and he's like no i'm gonna go sailing in europe with my boys and obviously, he'd be on a yacht, so he'd be unreachable. Yeah, not like there's anything happening or that could potentially happen, you know, with your uh-huh. wife eight months pregnant. Right. <laughs> not like you need to be available or anything. And uh, what about the ship to shore phone on the yacht? <sighs> He's like, I said what I said. I said I'd be unreachable. <laughs> because obviously by boys, we mean naked women. There's naked women on this yacht. It's a party yacht. So Jackie heads home and within a week, she starts to hemorrhage and delivers a stillborn daughter they'd already named Arabella. Bobby Kennedy was the first person she saw when she woke up and he was the one who told her that she'd lost the baby and he made all the arrangements for the for the burial. Oh, fuck, man. I know. That's got to be horrible. Truly, I think I cannot imagine a more devastating or tragic thing as a like mother mother yeah yeah because at yeah. that point you already feel like a mother the baby's been inside yeah. you mm-hmm. like almost the full term you feel it right. kick and everything mm-hmm. yeah that sounds so fucking horrible to me so this is when bobby and jackie really become close because mm, okay. i mean he's he's there being what jack should have been is Bobby like actually into his family and everything? Like I know he had a grip of kids, but was he yeah. actually like a family man or was uh, he trifling too? He was kind of trifling too, but he was a lot more discreet about it. Okay. I mean, they all are, but Ethel, I think someone, I was trying to like get more concrete information on this and his wife, Ethel, at some point told a, uh, someone who was writing his biography that she knew that at the end of the night, at the end of the day, Bobby was coming home to her and her family. Okay, well. So so I think the way she said it, like, I'm like, well, yeah. I mean, she seems to be at least okay with it. Right, <laughs> exactly. And Bobby, it so he was about his family. So there were women, I'm sure, but at the end of the day, like, he was about his family. Right. On August 26th, a day after baby Arabella was buried, Jack finally called and spoke to Bobby. Bobby told him what happened and Jack was basically like, oh, no, that's horrible. Well, tell Jackie I love her and I'll be home in a couple of weeks. Oh, my God. Was it because she was having a daughter, you think? Partially? I don't know. I don't know. 
Maybe I wonder, if there was a son, he would have not gone on the yacht. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if they knew, because I know they had the name, but I wonder if they knew for sure if it was going to be a girl. Right. Back, back then, I don't know if they... Anyway, so Bobby was like, if you don't fucking come home right fucking now, you're never going to be president. Because obviously, the press would get a hold of the fact. I mean, the press already knew that she had lost the baby, and they were already like, where the fuck is Jack? You know? Right. So that's when he comes home and reluctantly obviously and it seems like jackie was done with his shit like it, i think she was done with the marriage fuck yeah yeah uh, she kind of holds all the cards too because if she leaves him now she destroy his presidential ambitions right but as we said washington is a small town and everyone knew what the fuck was up because everyone started gossiping about their marriage right and they suddenly and unexpectedly sold their house to Bobby and his wife, Ethel. And they were spending... That's all right, because Jackie's got that one baby room that he lets her stay in. <laughs> That's true. At the Kennedy compound. Yeah. <laughs> we, don't even, we don't need the whole ass house. We're good right here on this twin bed. Right, Jackie? It's still got the poster of Mickey Mouse on the wall or whatever the fuck. <laughs> anyway, so they were spending a lot of time apart. Word on the street is that Joe paid Jackie a million bucks in cash to stay in the marriage after the loss of her baby daughter. But in 1957, Jackie found herself pregnant again. When so this it is the third time now? Yeah, this is the third time. They, there's, um, like, now that we know the extent to which JFK was a hoe and, like, everything we know about him, there's uh, speculation that he may have given her... A venereal disease that was right. causing the complications with the pregnancies and just no one ever thought to check right. or notice that she had something right maybe syphilis or something sorry i don't know why i'm laughing <laughs> i'm fucked up emotionally guys <laughs> anyways but no i was like i just thought of uh i was watching my 600 pound life and this woman was like i think my weight is altering my ability to get pregnant and the doctor <laughs> It's like you think. Yeah, he's just looking at her like, are you, "Bitch, are you for real?" <laughs> Have you seen Dolomite? Is my name? Yeah. Oh, uh, there's like a funny scene where he says that, "Bitch, are you for real?" <laughs> like that's where the doctor wanted to tell her that shit. <laughs> doctor, doctor now, doctor now Zardin. Uh, no, it's not him. It's a OBGYN. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I love Doctor Now. You know he's on fucking. Uh, the thing, like, you could hire him to do a message for you? On Cameo? Yes, Cameo. Oh, shit. Yeah. Who's our fattest friend? Let's send him the Cameo. Me, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I want him to tell me something. <laughs> like, just stop drinking beer. <laughs> I lost nine pounds since the new year. And, like, I would like to lose, like, 15 pounds. And total? I just can't, May I can't get the next five. Total? You want to lose 15 total? Yeah, total. Uh -huh. And it's just, like, it, like I know what I got to do. Just maybe don't have that third beer, bitch. <laughs> I'm going to get Dr. Now to tell you. Uh, that's what the cameo is going to be. He's going to be, like, do this, this, and this. For f to lose five pounds? I wonder yeah. what he would say. He'd probably be so mad. Like, man, I got real problems. <laughs> I got a patient trying to lose 5,000 pounds and you over here. <laughs> and just because you can't put that fucking three musketeers down, I'm going to help your ass. Three musketeers? You don't, you don't like three musketeers? No. 
Oh, it's good. I it's do like... respect them because in the 90s, Fran Drescher was their spokesperson. Do you remember that? <laughs> no. <laughs> you remember those commercials? Because they were, because they're like the, you know, the diet chocolate. Oh, yeah. Chocolate. Because they're like, airy. yeah, that's why mm-hmm. I eat them. See? <laughs> I went to Costco yesterday and uh, they have these, uh, I was walking by the freezer aisle and on the end cap. So I didn't even go in there, but you know how they get you fucking. On the end cap, they had these like, they look like drumsticks. You know, the Oh the yeah, ice those cream. are so bomb. They're, well, they are drumsticks, but they're Kit Kats. Kit Kat what? drumsticks. I put that shit in my cart so fucking fast. That's crazy, <laughs> man. What? Oh, man. See, this whack is <laughs> I just saw this thing going, a tweet going viral where um, Cinnamon Toast Crunch announced that they're making a limited time ice cream. I want to go to there. Yeah. And like the tweet was like, oh, I'll show it to you because I don't even brace yourselves. Cinnamon Toast Crunch and Lucky and Lucky Charms ice creams are going to drop soon. And then the guy responded and he said, well, this settles it. I'm just not meant to be skinny. <laughs> That's how I feel about oh, that drumstick. Wow. Yeah. Cinnamon Toast Crunch is candy. Don't be giving that shit to your children for <laughs> breakfast. That's fucking awful. Uh, what else was I going to say? Along the, uh, something that was fat. The doctor now. I like uh, how Doctor now has like slowly like gotten a little bit more swag. Like he dyes his hair. Oh, yeah, yeah, He's yeah. got a little comb over. He's fat. He is fat. Like he has no... <laughs> Every time I watch it, I'm pounds. But I'm like, you need to lose some weight, my guy. Right? Like it should be like some fit ass doctor. Yeah. Well, no, because you don't want to make them feel bad. I I guess that's it. Might be part of his success because he's like, I'm one of you. He's approachable. (laughs) He's not one of them. (laughs) He's not one of them. Also, like they're an alien or something. (laughs) One of us. Oh man, I watched an episode of that mixed weight show. Oh, yeah. I still haven't seen it. It's kind of sad. It's not kind of sad. It's very sad, actually. Because, hmm. like, even, like, like, the it's all men who are thin, and then the woman is oh. larger. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's clearly, like, a fetish-type situation. Yeah. And then, like, so, like, in the first episode, one guy introduces his girlfriend to all of his friends, and then everybody, like, is visibly, like, oh, kind of disgusted, no. and it's fucked up. Yeah. I don't and, like that. I know. And then one guy tells his family that he wants to propose to her and like his Mm -hmm. whole family's like, why? And stuff. Mm -hmm. It's sad. I hope it's just for the cameras. Yeah, I hope so too. Although that's also shitty. (laughs) (laughs) Well, then if it, because if it's just for the cameras, then you're sort of in on it. That's true. That's true. Yeah, yeah. That cloud looks like a drumstick. I fucking love that (laughs) clip, man. Just the way she says it. She's all like, her she, reminds me, she reminds me of uh, Honey Boo Boo when yeah, she says it. Yeah, her like, draw. Yeah. Anyways. Okay. So she's pregnant again. And when it leaked to the press, Jackie felt a lot of pressure now since the death of baby Arabella had been like all over the press, you know? Yeah, that's awful. And also, their, ever since, their marriage had been under a lot of scrutiny. So it's like, she had this tragic end to her previous pregnancy. Everyone's talking shit about the legitimacy or non-legitimacy of her marriage. And it's like, this is a lot to put her under. Right, right. Also, her beloved father, Blackjack, died when she was six months pregnant. Oh, 
my gosh. And she had to make all the arrangements because Lee had been abroad with her husband. Wow. But in November of 1957, Jackie gave birth to her daughter, Caroline. This time, Jack was actually there for the birth and by all accounts was actually over the top sweet and attentive, obviously because he had to make up for what had previous, previously happened or at least to try. Right. And that's so weird when, like, remember Lucy said that Ricky was like crazy mm-hmm. in love with her after the babies after the baby was born? Yeah. That's weird. I mean, it's... It brings you, it brings you together. Yeah. Instinct. It's evolution. Like you have to now come together to make sure, make sure that this baby survives. Yeah. (laughs) It's crazy. So the young family was an instant sensation. Oh yeah. They graced the cover of life magazine in April of 1958. This is adorable. That's awesome. Little baby Caroline. She's so cute, man. Jackie did ads for and hit the campaign trail for the run-up to Jack's 1958 re-election to the Senate, which I'm so um, so shocked that he was re-elected because he was convalescent pretty much the whole time. He wasn't doing shit. Right. He's just like, hanging back. <laughs> that might be why they re-elected him. They were like, hey, he don't cause no problems. <laughs> we don't even know if he exists. <laughs> Let's just re-elect that dude. And she proved to be an incredibly valuable asset when he got 73% of the vote. Oh, damn. The public loved her. But the Kennedy campaign advisors did wonder if maybe she was, like, too fancy for America since she was always decked out in couture. Like, she loved Balenciaga and Givenchy, and Mm. she was always going to France and shit. And, like, she had to come to terms with kind of having to tone that down ahead of Jack's anticipated presidential campaign. Mm. Also around this time is when Mr. Aristotle... Onassis enters the story for the first time. Okay. Ari was a Greek shipping tycoon and one of the richest men in the world. He had the largest shipping fleet in the world. Jackie and JFK went to visit an ailing Winston Churchill aboard Ari's yacht, the Christina. I don't know if the Christina is the most famous yacht in the world, but it's certainly the only one that I can name. (laughs) But I did learn a fun fact about it. Some of the leather furnishings are made of whale foreskin. <gasps> Whoa. <laughs> That's uh, interesting. Aren't you in the market for some furniture? Uh, not can, that kind. <laughs> I don't think I could afford that, honestly. <laughs> Who's collecting that? I don't know. What's your job? I'm a whale foreskin collector. What's the yacht that Wolf of Wall Street had bought from Coco Chanel? Was that the Coco Chanel yacht? Yeah, it's co- mm. well. So, sorry, Nadine. Nadine, huh? That's the only. I didn't know the name of it, but that's the only yacht I could think of. Yeah. Like that I know is I, famous. I can think of. Do you remember that show? It was on VH1. It was like the Fabulous Life of. Oh my God! And I loved him. What was his name? Was it Robin Leach? Uh, yes, with the Robin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, they had, I remember they showed that like someone had rented the largest yacht in the world. So that one I know by sight, but I don't know the name of it. Hmm. Like literally the only one I know the name of is the Christina. Because also Elizabeth Taylor was on that fucking yacht. Yeah. Audrey Hepburn, Marilyn Monroe. Every, everybody was on this fucking yacht. Winston Churchill was on this fucking yacht. <laughs> <laughs> Winston Churchill was fucking on that yacht. <laughs> 
On January 3rd, 1960, JFK announced his candidacy for president. And Jackie hit the trail in support of him. But almost immediately, I mean, I'm talking within like a week or two, she just she discovered that she was pregnant again. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. And because of her previous complications, on advice of her doctors, she sits out the campaign at home. Not to say she did nothing. She wrote columns about Jack that ran weekly in newspapers. And of course, she did interviews from home, but she wasn't out in the streets or anything, which led to the public being even more fascinated by her and thirsty to see her and like what she was wearing. And, Ooh, she and was, she's growing like the best thing on earth right now. Yep, exactly. And she was named one of the be- 10 best dressed women in the world during this time. Do you Wait, think... But no one's seeing her, which is crazy. <laughs> I know. Do you think like I was thinking about uh, Harry and Meghan mm-hmm. and I wonder if it's going to get worse for them because oh, for sure. Because now they're not going to give, like, at least when they're, like, in that role, they kind of give people what they want, right? They do those uh-huh. little appearances and they're right. dressed up. And and now that they're not going to be doing that stuff, I wonder if the paparazzi is going to get worse for them. It's possible. And, then, and, and also they don't have the machine of the crown to, like, tell, you know, first they do have power over right. there like to say like okay don't run this story or whatever or right. leave them alone on this day right or whatever like i saw the pictures of her walking the dogs with baby archie like yeah and then like immediately prince harry like tried to tell them like that that's not okay and mm-hmm. you know it's dangerous like she's with the baby and all this stuff yeah and i just think like i don't know i think it might get worse for them yeah I don't know. It depends on, I think, what they choose to do going forward. They could continue to kind of try to mitigate Keep that by those, being... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, you got to just give people what they fucking want a little bit, right? Right. Exactly. So they leave you alone. They... She got, like, a lot of criticism of when those pictures came out. Did you see that? People were like, why are you holding the baby while walking the dogs? Like, what the fuck? People... Do the fucking most. I People cannot, hate everything. I, I cannot think that's stand a, that. I, there's a trail that I like to run on, and I always mm-hmm. think, like, that's nice. Like, there's very few times when I'm like, oh, that's nice. Like, <laughs> like people with babies. Like that I'm nice, sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. Like, people with babies. A lot of the time, most of the time I see it, not just, I think I love kids, by the way, but I just think that shit looks hard to me all the time. Oh, yeah. But, like, when I see women or men walking with the baby and they're holding it, like how she was holding Archie. Mm-hmm. I just think, yeah. oh, that's nice, like, to go on a walk. And, it like, is so sweet. Yeah. Like, I why is like, that? <laughs> People are fucking, like, they love to be mad at shit, dude. Love to see it. <laughs> so, anyway, she's, oh, she's like, one of the 10 best dressed women in the world. Again, shout out to her sister, Lee, who totally, I think, objectively has better style. Like, everyone thinks so. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> As we know, JFK wins the presidency against former Vice President Richard Nixon. Cool. And two weeks later, Jackie goes into labor five weeks early with a little tiny baby named John F. Kennedy Jr. <laughs> For more information on John John, go listen to Stephanie tell their, tell his story in our episode called Bopless since 2012. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fuck that fool. Okay. So... Junior was born with underdeveloped lungs. Mm. So back in 1960, this was super scary. I mean, it's I'm sure it's scary now, but we have 
things we can do now, you know? Right. <laughs> but like, so back in 60, this is really scary. And he spent quite a while in an incubator. Meanwhile, the media starts dragging Jackie to filth over rumors that she wanted her focus as first as first lady to be turning the White House into a cultural hub <laughs> and hanging modern art and like having musicians come play. Like she wanted it to be like the old school salons. And they were like, you snobby ass bitch, basically. So she had these old people shook to the point where they couldn't even wait for the baby to get out of the incubator before they started dragging her. I hate that so fucking much. Anyway, she's just trying to inject your asses with a little bit of culture. I know. (laughs) So when outgoing first lady Mamie Eisenhower invited Jackie to tour the White House just a couple weeks after her emergency C-section, she failed to offer Jackie a seat, some say on purpose, and Jackie collapsed shortly after she left. Oh, man. So poor Jackie, as per usual, had shit coming at her from all angles. Right. For inauguration day, she was given an injection of dexedrine, a.k.a. speed, just to make it through the day and the two balls that they had to go to after. Are you fucking kidding me, me? And she just had the fucking baby. I know. I was going to say. Yeah. Dexedrine is speed? Yeah. Like it's something that we prescribe? It used to be. It used to be like a diet drug. Oh, holy shit. Yeah. Does Dr. Nowak or whatever that fool's name Dr. is? Dr. Nazard. Dr. Nazard. Does that fool have that shit on deck? <laughs> Who's Sick. Nowak? Why did I say that? Lisa Nowak. Oh, Lisa Nowak. <laughs> what the fuck? Dr. Lisa Nowak, her, the only thing she's <laughs> allowed to prescribe got is speed. Pampers. Yeah, she's got dexedrine for sure. <laughs> so she could drive fast and not have to stop. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I still need to see Lucy in the sky. I want to watch that too. Yeah, I haven't yeah. seen it either. I want to see John Hamm. I just saw John Hamm talking about the Super Bowl. I was like, ooh, baby. I don't know nothing <laughs> about this, but continue talking in that suit. Ugh. Okay, so Dr. Max Jacobson, a.k.a. Dr. Feelgood, <laughs> later later started regularly injecting her and JFK with amphetamines. <gasps> Was he Judy Garland's doctor also? <laughs> what, who the fuck is this monster? He actually, go go to Dr. Max Jacobson's uh, Wikipedia page. You can see all the people he tr- quote-unquote treated. I, like, all the famous people. I think Liza is on it. Oh, Liza's my God. So, yeah. Okay. This These injections, specifically, they were a mix of amphetamines, steroids, calcium, monkey placenta, <gasps> and and other secret ingredients it's just like fucking quackery yeah like drugs yeah speed anyway so he would the white house records show that he came to the white house something like 36 times and like jack famously said something like i don't give a fuck what's in them like they just work and i need that because <laughs> you're wanna a feel fucking, good you just want to feel good <laughs> Isn't hey. that Halle Berry in that movie? Yeah. <laughs> in Monster's Ball. Only yeah. that's so sad. <laughs> I don't think she said it like that. <laughs> anyway, so, yeah, uh, he was addicted to speed, basically. Jackie was. <laughs> JFK was a meth head, everybody. <laughs> Jackie was addicted to, sort of, but, yeah, I guess, I mean, she was. She was. But they didn't know, you know, right. they were just like, a doctor gives it to well, me. Well, a doctor is giving it to you. No, honestly, yeah. that happens yeah. to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So JFK eventually quit because 
he actually didn't like that it made his dick soft. Okay. I was going to say because he was president, but nah, <laughs> that's no. not why. And there's a lot of historians that like looking back and when Dr. Feelgood stops coming to the White House, they're like, you can see the change in how he acts and the decisions that he makes arguably before he was making more erratic decisions. And then mm. after that, he like calmed down a lot. So people are like, damn, that was real fucking <laughs> dangerous, man. <laughs> so uh, I, I guess thank you to JFK's dick for hey. going soft hey. because yeah. We're a safer country because of it. <laughs> so Jackie traveled outside the country as first lady more than any previous first lady. That's so tight. Yeah. And the pictures of her in all the different countries and stuff, it's like real cool. Like in front of the Taj Mahal, she looks fucking sick. Yeah, that's sick. And everywhere she went, she dazzled foreign leaders and everyday citizens alike. When Do you remember she... in the crown when she yes. and JFK go to visit Queen Elizabeth and yeah Philip, yeah yeah and elizabeth was salty because like, everybody Loki'd... loved jackie yeah everybody loved jackie and jackie didn't like really like her like she said that she was like stiff and boring or something yeah <laughs> and then they met i wonder if that's true that they then had tea right yeah they oh. had tea that is true that's awesome when jackie traveled throughout latin america she would give speeches in spanish so she became one of the most popular people in all of the americas because yeah. this is like the first time that someone's like coming to you and speaking to you in your language you know right, so like this was like yeah yeah so this is a big deal she, Plus famously... she went to acapulco by herself for her honeymoon <laughs> so true by herself <laughs> people were hell on her side she's basically mexican now she was yeah, <laughs> they invited her to the carne asada for sure her name is fucking jackie yeah. <laughs> 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 bitch come here let me tell you <laughs> come here real quick that's how she started her speeches. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody come here real quick. <laughs> she famously, this is the same trip that you're talking about, but she famously accompanied JFK on a diplomatic visit to France. Okay. Early in his presidency, when the French people so impressed and touched by Jackie's love of the country, because remember, she had spent a lot of and, time there. And she speaks French fluently, right? Y yeah, exactly. Yeah, so the the crowds would chant, Viva Jacqueline, oh. as the couple passed. And Hell like yeah. they were and they were like, who that guy? Like, I know. Looking at, looking at JFK. <laughs> when JFK was making a speech in Paris, his first speech in Paris, he famously said, quote, I am the man who accompanied Jacqueline Kennedy to Paris. I and I have say. enjoyed it that's awesome i was gonna yeah, say he so probably cute. loved that uh he loved it in public but in private he was high key very salty and he and jackie had uh like huge disagreements like this was on the crown too really yeah that he was like upset at her for like he was just tense because he wasn't expecting people to give her like that sort of shine but or... isn't that why he fucking married her because uh -huh. she was the one that was gonna be able to do this yeah exactly but not more than him yeah you know <laughs> Yeah, so he took it out on her a lot. So things got really tense again in the marriage because they had kind of improved a little bit after the babies. The babies, you know? yeah. Uh, but things got really tense in the marriage after these trips, which is shitty. But in any case, Jackie became kind of the unofficial official United States ambassador to the world in a way that I don't know we've seen from a first lady since. Hillary Clinton tried to be that in the early part of Bill's first term, but polls showed that Americans thought she was too involved in the administration and she had to fall back. Right. 
which is complete bullshit. Mm -hmm. And Jackie actually loved Hillary because she, when she first took office or when she first um, became first lady and Jackie realized like what Hillary wanted her time as first lady to be. And Jackie saw like a lot of parallels. So she fucking loved her and she loved them. Yeah. Anyway, Jackie, who had always been kind of shy and soft-spoken, got a big boost of self-confidence from these successful trips. So she now had some clout that she used to put some shine on JFK during these rough early months of his presidency, where we now know that he was high. (laughs) Her cause as first lady, shout out to Melania, hashtag be best, was the restoration of the White House. Before she got there, it was kind of run down and in disrepair. And that made her super sad because, of course, this is meant to be the people's house. Right. And she comes from Connecticut and shit. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. She's like all American. This is like, come on. And she loves history. Right. She's like a low-key, like, genius about, like, um, specifically American history. Yeah. So it's like she's in this grand historical house. It should be the most. It should be that grand and historical. Yeah. Yeah. And she walks in and, like, wallpapers falling off the walls and, like. They're just treating it like a hotel for the president, basically. And right. this is where where all the foreign dignitaries come to meet. And she's just like horrified this by this. Shit? Yeah. Right. She said that she first toured the White House like on a field trip when she was a kid. And she thought the same thing. And she mm-hmm. hadn't been back until maybe Eisenhower, Eisenhower invited her. And she walked in and she was like, it's still fucking like this. Like she was. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh, previous presidents and their families would bring their own furniture and take it with them when they left what yeah so there were no pieces of historical significance anymore throughout the house what the hell after she remodeled the private quarters to include a kitchen and rooms for the kids i think that's so fucking cute yeah she because no fam, no young family had ever or at least it had been like forever yeah yeah no family had lived there before so she had to make it a real home for her family yeah she literally has a newborn yeah exactly so after she did that, she raised private money to restore the rest of the house to what it looks like today. That's awesome. Literally, without her, it would be a shack filled with IKEA furniture mm-hmm. like that everybody would just take with them at the end of the day. Yeah. <laughs> she personally tracked down historical pieces of furniture that were previously in the house around the world and brought them back. That's awesome. That's yeah. so amazing. And sometimes people wouldn't want to like give it to them, but then she had to go and charm the shit out of them because that was like what she did. And, right. Like, she did that time and time again. She had a live TV special about her undertaking of the restoration of the White House, where she gave a tour and highlighted some of the important pieces she was able to track down. Have you ever seen it? Yeah. It's on it's YouTube. So, yeah, it's so cute. Yeah. She's hella it, nervous. Yeah, I know. And she's already kind of like that. Yeah. Like, like she she already kind of like speaks like this. But like you can see how it was. Yeah. It was scary. It was live. Oh, Yeah. It was watched by 56 million people and she won an Emmy. (laughs) (laughs) To this day, she's the first and only first lady with an Emmy. That's so incredible. What a fun. Yeah. Yeah. That's so interesting. But I think what's really interesting when you do watch that is her knowledge, like of the pieces and stuff. Like Mm -hmm. she walks down and it's off the dome. She's just like. And she's so proud. Yeah. And she's like, we found this face in like, (laughs) yeah, she's so cool, dude. Okay. While she was busy fixing the people's house, JFK was having hella threesomes. What the Mm -hmm. fuck? That was his favorite thing. Like that was his fetish, I guess. (laughs) 
He loved that shit. Sometimes in his and Jackie's White House bed. <gasps> she just bought that bed, my dude. Yeah, that's God awful. damn it. <laughs> Sometimes in the pool, in the basement, and everyone knew about it because the White House staff were the ones that had to like cover for his ass. Right. And they had to sneak his lovers in and out. Yeah. Uh, we'll leave talk of him and Marilyn Monroe to another episode to either right. his or hers or both or whatever. But suffice it to say that the happy birthday, Mr. President incident at JFK's 45th tribute, 45th birthday tribute. Jackie knew about it, obviously, and she was humiliated. Mm -hmm. But humiliation at the hands of Jack was nothing new to her, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And the Republicans... After that, started to think of how to use JFK's well-known womanizing against him in the next election. So of they course. were already, like, gathering their intel and shit. And, like, yeah. Yeah, you're sloppy as shit, bro. Yeah. he did. It didn't need to be that way. Mm -hmm. I feel bad for Marilyn. Oh, God, yes. Yeah, right? me too. Yeah. Like, Jackie, at this point, she knows what... Mm -hmm. She knows what she's sleeping next to, right? Yeah. Marilyn is, like, actually, like, in love and... Yeah, and she's a fragile person, right? You know. Yeah, and she probably think, and she, I mean, because she's Marilyn Monroe, so she's like, yeah. how could I just be a notch on, yeah, somebody's exactly. bed? But that's right. totally what she was, right? I read, I don't know if this is true, but I read one time that uh, JFK and Bobby, like this would happen a lot. Like pe women thought that, like, oh my god, like JFK, like I'm. Uh, he's gonna leave his wife he's gonna marry me or whatever and he would like bring bobby in to be with them to sort of like wean them off of him off of him and oh, like fuck. so like bobby would come in and be like their dude for a little while and then bobby would break up with them yeah and by then they'd probably already forgotten about jfk a little bit so yeah yeah, yeah that's interesting yeah that's gross also <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> fucking ridiculous so that's why, I mean, everybody knows that Marilyn was with Bobby, too. Like, right. That's, like, most likely what happened. Like, he was like, oh, Bobby, can you go take care of her? And, like, that was what they did. Wow. So anyway, their marriage was obviously very strained. Not to mention, this is, of course, a very tumultuous era in American history. Right. In October of 1962, the Cuban Missile Crisis during which the Soviet Union placed nuclear weapons in Cuba, obviously within close range of the United States, became the closest we've ever come to all-out nuclear war. It was a tense 13-day standoff until JFK was finally able to negotiate an agreement with Khrushchev to dismantle the weapons. Weirdly, or maybe not weirdly, this marked a turning point in their marriage. Jackie told JFK that if she and the kids were in danger, that she would refuse to leave his side because if they were going to die, that they would all die together. Wow. And I think that JFK realized like how much she loved him. Yeah. And like how like this is how much she's devoted to him. And like it could be all gone tomorrow, maybe, you know. Right. So he'd survived so far so much as far as his illnesses, I think that he thought of himself as indestructible to some extent at this point. Yeah, and he's president, like... Right. Yeah. When really, if he would have made one wrong move over the course of these 13 days, he, his family, and everyone else might not live to see another day. Mm -hmm. So it really put things in perspective for him. And I think, like, I mean, he's still the man that he was all that he always was, but yeah. I think that he was 
more cognizant of like, hold on, let me not have threesomes in the in the, our White House bed. You know, right. let me try to be a little bit more discreet about things, and let me try to treat Jackie with more respect. Right. Jesus. How old is he now? Forty. Forty. Three, I think. Oh my god. Not to mention that also at this point, JFK's inner circle, they started to dissent like for the first time. People were tired of putting up with and like uh, covering up the sex parties and the mistresses and the sex workers and the drugs. They were fed up. Insiders started to call the White House a brothel. They were disgusted about how he was treating Jackie, not to mention that in early 1963, Jackie was pregnant again. But once again, the baby... The couple named Patrick was born five weeks premature with undeveloped lungs, just like John Jr. And baby Patrick died two days later on August 9th. Wow. JFK knelt by her bed and sobbed when he went to tell her. So this is during the presidency this happened? Yes. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. So like the whole world... I mean, yeah. the whole country saw her pregnant and they were like, you know, this is a, such a happy time. Like, right. Imagine we're go- like we're going to have a baby. I mean, not right we- now, but imagine. Yeah. Right. Michelle, like or <laughs> mm-hmm. something. Yeah. 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 We're going to have a baby because that's how they felt about JFK Jr. And Car- Caroline. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, OK. So anyway, Jackie was stunned and depressed, of course. Yeah. But wow, hope, Jackie's a fucking she's a strong G, dude. woman. That's like the one word that I keep thinking of when I read about her, like the strength that this woman had. Yeah. Anyway, so she, of course, she's depressed and of course she's shocked and stunned, but she thought that it might be yet another incident that might change Jack's ways since he had mm-hmm. previous with like things like that that had happened in their marriage. Like it did bring them closer. Right. And yeah, so she thought this could be another one of those times she spent the next few weeks practically catatonic not really speaking or eating or doing anything she was so deeply depressed that her sister lee invited her on her side booze yacht in the south of france oh damn who was lee side boo at the time you might ask <laughs> none other than aristotle onassis it was messy the public was super salty about this trip too they thought that if she was well enough to go to Europe and, you know, party or whatever, yacht, yeah. yeah, that she should be well enough to stay here and be a good wife and grieve with her husband. Oof. Yeah, it was a PR nightmare shit yeah. show. So when she got back to the States on October 17th, 1963, she had to make a big show of being close to JFK. And for the first time ever during his presidency, she she accompanied him on a domestic political trip. So Jack asked her to come with him to Texas as sort of a trial run for the upcoming 1964 campaign. Jackie could use her Spanish to charm the Latinos. She could speak to some Republican women to try to soften them towards Kennedy. It was a whole thing. Mm -hmm. So Jackie packed her most conservative suits and day one of the stop, of the stop in Fort Worth, Texas, November 21st, 1963, goes flawlessly. Obviously, Texas isn't London, Paris, or Vienna, so the campaign had been kind of worried that she wouldn't go over as well down there. But Jackie did what the fuck she had to do. She used her Spanish, and they loved her. It was a smash. Right. So that night, Jack and his team are like, this is going great. 
Jackie, will you please do another trip to California with us in a few weeks? Jackie's like, yes, I'm down. Then the next morning, November 22nd, 1963, Jack tells Jackie to put on one of his favorite outfits of hers, the now iconic Chanel authorized line for line made in America Chez Nignon pink suit with navy trim and a matching pillbox hat. Air Force One landed in Dallas, after which she and JFK hop into an uncovered limo. A few minutes later, 8.5 seconds would change the world forever. I don't know if I should go into this. Maybe not, because you want to save it for his own episode, right? But it's from her perspective. Okay, well. It's just, it's a lot. So just like warning, I guess, to listen, if you're going to listen to this part. (laughs) Okay. She thought that the first gunshot was a motorcycle backfiring and blamed herself for not realizing what was happening and pulling him down. She, uh, she went over it time and time again, over and over, constantly for years. After he was hit, she did try to pull him down, but he had his arms up after he was shot through the throat trying to hold his neck. And next thing she knew, there was a third shot. The third shot blew his brains out all over her face and clothes. Then she screamed, quote, my God, what are they doing? My God, they've killed Jack. They've killed my husband. They killed Jack. Jack, Jack, Jack. I have his brains in my hand. 8.5 seconds and it was over. She crawled on the back of the limo, trying to collect a shard of his skull until her lead secret service agent literally pushed her down and got on top of her and JFK's whole body. She was trying to keep his brain matter contained in his head with her hands and there was a pool of blood in the limo she just kept whispering jack jack what have they done to you when they got to the hospital six minutes later she refused to leave him even as they massaged his heart in an effort to keep him alive because miraculously he was still breathing until finally they pronounced him dead she took off her wedding ring and put it on his pinky finger as they put him in a coffin and took him to air force one as Jackie stayed with the coffin literally the whole time, never leaving him because that's what she had promised to do. Mm -hmm. She's still covered in blood on Air Force One and begins to wipe it off of her face, but immediately regrets it and then refused to change her clothes as aides and Lady Bird Johnson kept gently suggesting that she do. She wanted to, quote, let them see what they've done to Jack. Then she stood next to LBJ as he was sworn in as president. When they landed... Bobby was waiting at the airport in shambles, crying in a rushed Air Force One, pushing past people as if they didn't exist, yelling, where's Jackie? I want to be with Jackie. Then he found her and they collapsed into each other's arms. Can you? She just had the baby, dude. I don't want to do this podcast anymore. It's the worst, dude. Okay. Jackie insisted on walking behind the casket at the funeral, which was crazy dangerous because it was suspected that this was part of a widespread plot by the Kremlin to take out the entire government. And if Jackie was walking behind the casket, other government officials and foreign dignitaries would feel pressure to walk behind her and all become targets themselves. Charles de Gaulle even traveled to the funeral with a bunch of his rare blood type on deck in anticipation of the worst. 
remember this is just three months after the death of her infant son Patrick so this woman deserves all of our respect she's incredible and also maybe for the first time she was feeling pretty good about her marriage at this time if you haven't seen the movie Jackie I 100% think you all should watch it now knowing a lot more about uh, the detail of her life I am uh, much more impressed by Natalie Portman in that role I think she absolutely like blew it out of the park and it's chilling that performance now when I think about it anyway LBJ offered the ambassadorship to France but she wanted to retire just get a little house disappear and raise her kids but she'd already been the most famous woman in the world and now she was the most infamous too and the world's thoughts were with her and eyes were on her so she couldn't just disappear. In the United States, everyone felt at least a part of her belonged to them. So it fucking sucks because up until this point, she's basically never had full autonomy over herself for her whole adult life. Also, she had to tell her story because of course people wanted to know, but also her doctor encouraged her to get it out. She publicly told the story just a, a week after the assassination to Life magazine. That's what the movie Jackie's based on. She would often recount practically word for word the events because she had been traumatized. Today, we'd probably call it PTSD. Mm-hmm. And everything that happened to her was ingrained in her mind like a movie. Like it was like she was recounting. She was regurgitating it like someone with a photographic memory. Mm-hmm. It was crazy. She couldn't stand to see images or paintings of JFK sitting down because they would trigger her and she'd break down. She became obsessed with the idea that she missed opportunities to save him. She would say, if only I had recognized the first shot, I could have pulled him down. If survivors go. Exactly. If only I had been facing right, I could have seen what was happening and pulled him down. If only I had done this, if only I had done that. She was stuck perpetually in and around those eight and a half seconds. But she knew that she had to go on because she was still a mom with two little kids to raise. There was this one really devastating story when JFK Jr. is still a little toddler and he walks by a painting of his dad and he says, good night, daddy. And it Mm -hmm. just like destroys her. She always remained protective of JFK and his legacy. She never really talked about the things that JFK, about JFK that were outside of the image that he wanted to present to the world, like his health issues and their marital problems. Oh God, if Twitter existed back then, I'll tell you, it'd be fucking everywhere. (laughs) Okay, so she thought about suicide a lot. years after this not in the sense that she wanted to kill herself not like that at all just in the sense that she would think about what it would mean to die and like i don't know what happens to you after you die and you literally had death right in front of you like of course yeah it's something that just kind of you think about more exactly so it sounds more like this was uh more of an intellectual or like an existential exercise and it was her own wanting to kill herself wanting to kill herself yeah which i mean i get that i'm a little morbid anyway so no one was like super worried that she actually wanted to do that her her priest was worried for like half a second but he realized like i guess what was going on with her uh anyway so jackie once talked to her confidants about marilyn monroe's death and said quote i was glad that marilyn monroe got out of her misery Oh, that's interesting. An interesting take. She just knew, I think that she had a new take on death. And like, she, yeah, she just like, I mean, everybody knew Marilyn was sad, you know? Yeah. 
Anyway, so yeah, Jackie was understandably in a dark place. And she's constantly described for the next several years as being shell-shocked, which, I mean, today it's it's PTSD. Right, and are, are any of us, like, surprised or... But they didn't know what it was back then, so... Right. Yeah. And, yeah, okay. The Kennedys still felt like she was theirs, and she in turn still considered them her family. Yeah. She was particularly close to Bobby, so much so that there were always rumors going around that they were having an affair. Right. I, I honestly don't think it was that. Me either. I think that when Jackie was married, she was faithful. And after she became a widow, she and Bobby just grieved together in a way that other people weren't grieving and and, yeah. and they couldn't understand. Nobody's going to get it like them. Yeah. So Bobby became almost a sort of second father to her kids and Jackie really relied on him a lot. Maybe it wasn't everything but physical relationship, which I mean. Emotional affair. Yeah. So that's its own thing, but I don't I don't see any reason to assume that they were having a physical affair. And it happens all the time. People yeah. when they lose someone, it's always like, you know, you see like a widow getting with the brother of her now deceased spouse and I kind of weirdly get it. It's like but, but not with the not with the brother in law who has like who's, five kids in his marriage. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> So she continues to be going the fuck through it to the point that Lee says that Jackie would randomly slap the shit out of her, like slap her face for no fucking reason. This, we could take this out if you want to, but this reminds me of that time you were drunk and you told your cousin Jasmine to shut the fuck up when she was being quiet. Like <laughs> That's what made me think of like she was, Lee makes it sound like she was just like doing nothing and Jackie would slap her. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so Jackie was a wreck. For a while, starting in 1966, a lot of see and this is why like you say the people should understand what she's going through like understandably but in 1966 a lot of public goodwill toward jackie started to erode and there was a media backlash against her she and bobby had tried to stop the publication of a book about the day of the assassination and people thought she was trying to be like the sole owner of grief in this country and that she'd become a quote-unquote professional martyr I hate this so fucking much, but also they contrasted her third and fourth year now of mourning against those people who were losing loved ones every day in the ongoing and brutal Vietnam War. So they're like, you know, everybody's grieving. Everybody's going through shit like you should sort of be better by now, I guess. Mm -hmm. They accused her of faking, of wallowing in self-pity. They said she was spoiled and shallow. And on the extremely rare occasion where she was photographed at a party or at a nightclub, then they, they would talk shit about her. So it was like lose-lose. Yeah, you can't, she can't grieve and she can't not grieve also. Exactly. What, I'm sorry, what year are we in? We're in 1966 now. Okay. Meanwhile, Bobby Kennedy had been getting ready to run for president in 1968. And Jackie became very vocal about the fact that she'd been having premonitions of his assassination and she begged him not to run. She Yeah, she thought they were all going to get assassinated, right? Mm-hmm. She'd wake up in the middle of the night from nightmares, either reliving what happened to Jack or envisioning what could happen to Bobby, screaming. Of course, yeah. But Bobby sat her down and told her not to worry and that this, this was something that he had to do. Then in April of 1968, Martin, Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated and this shook her to her core. Even Bobby said that day that, quote, that could have been me. Jackie was a wreck, 
when Bobby called and told her that King's widow Coretta called and asked Jackie to attend the funeral. Wow. Jackie was still dealing with the trauma and she didn't want to go, especially because she had a problem with crowds. Right. Understandably, of course. But she basically took all of the drugs so that she could show up for Coretta that day. Jackie's old friend Aristotle Onassis showed up at the funeral and offered to fly Jackie away on his plane straight to his yacht so that she could regroup after the funeral. Wow. He'd also been at JFK's funeral five years before. Lee said that Aristotle looked at life as a chess match and that he was a master chess player and saw his shot and took it. That's interesting. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Because he was like not making it a secret that he wanted her. Right. He wanted to acquire her. Because she's a thing to him. Right. After Bobby won the California Democratic primary on June 4th, 1968, Jackie went to bed as it was late where she was in New York. Then at 4 a.m. New York time on June 5th, 1968, Jackie got a call from Lee's husband, or he might have been ex-husband at the time, who was in London, and he asked how Bobby was. Jackie's like, he's great. Isn't it wonderful? He won. And the friend and her brother-in-law asks again, but how is he? And she's like, I haven't talked to him, but I'm sure he's ecstatic. He wanted this so badly, and it seems like this is going to happen. So then her brother-in-law is like, Jackie, Bobby's been shot. She immediately gets on a flight to Los Angeles. Imagine her sitting the five hours on this fucking plane, dude. I can't take it. So she pulls up to the hospital, and it's all deja vu. She's reliving the whole thing over again. Right. She went through one of the worst things to ever happen to a person, something she's still dealing with the trauma of, and it's happening again. And she fucking knew it would happen, which is like the worst part. Right. Bobby's wife, Ethel, who is pregnant with their 11th child, by the way, during this time. Yeah. She's, She's already there, of course. And so is Teddy, who was on his knees praying next to Bobby's bed, but... There was no hope and Bobby died the next day with Jackie at his bedside. Wow. Jackie was barely keeping it together. She says that she was jealous of Ethel and Bobby's mom, Rose, because uh, they, all things considered, looked fine. Because they, they're they incredibly religious and they really leaned into their faith. Right. They so fa- they're like, he's in heaven. and Yeah, exactly. Exactly that. He's in a better place and God had his reasons and that that was that you know but jackie wasn't religious right so she was broken she didn't have anything to like prop her up like that on the way back east with bobby's plane on a plane that lbj sent jackie had a panic attack mistakenly thinking that they were getting on the on the same plane aka air force one that she traveled in with jfk's body when they finally made it to new york at saint patrick's cathedral It was like Jackie couldn't hold it together for a second longer, and she exploded in hysterical tears and threw herself on Bobby's casket. Rose Kennedy had to embrace her and gently pull her off. Jackie fell even deeper into depression and said, quote, if they're killing Kennedys, then my children are targets, and I want to get out of this country. So how does she do it? She and the kids had money from the Kennedy Trust, so she wasn't poor by any stretch of the imagination, but it wasn't nearly enough to make her feel safe. She needed much, much more money and also power. Mm-hmm. And you know who seemingly had all the money and power in the world? Ari. Ari Onassis. And not only that, but he had a private island, Scorpios, where the kids could really be safe. 
Plus, he showered her in millions and millions in jewels and really tried to romance the shit out of her. I mean, he was uh, he was much, much older than her. He was uncouth and sloppy. So, I mean, obviously, he had to pull out all the stops to woo the most famous woman on Earth. So she introduced him to Joe and Rose Kennedy. And although they were extremely against the marriage, they gave her their blessing because they understood that, that she had to do what she felt like she had to do. Right. I think, like, for sure. Yeah, they, I mean, they There's get nothing, it. that's the only thing that she's going to find solace in at this moment. Her safety and the safety of her family? Yeah. Yeah, You of know, course. like, and if that right. means marrying this guy, like. Right. I mean, she married JFK and he was a piece of shit, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, I think, honestly, props to Joe and Rose, because I feel like they could have threw a fucking fit and yeah. like, made it yeah. impossible for her. They expressed that they didn't like it, but at the end of the day they were like all right yeah you know you need to do this because that's also their grandkids that she's talking about you know right so uh the kennedys they sent teddy who jackie was also extremely fond of to greece with her to negotiate a settlement with ari on jackie's behalf i'm almost positive that i went into this in teddy's episode but ari got teddy absolutely plastered on uzo and was partying with him and some scantily clad girls and then basically blackmail Teddy with the photos because remember that now Teddy is the one who has to take up the mantle of his deceased brothers he needs to be president one day so this is like a year before the Chappaquiddick incident right which is the focus of Teddy's episode and it, and if these photos ever came out they could be really bad for him so Ari gained the negotiating advantage but I think Ari was still kind of generous Jackie got $3 million in cash. He would match what she would have received over the next several years from the Kennedy Trust that she was giving up to marry him. And he was going to pay for all her and the kids' expenses, including security, which the kids were going to lose their secret service protection once they turned 18. And with that, the stage was set for Jacqueline Bouvier Kennedy to become Jacqueline Bouvier, Bouvier Kennedy Onassis, or Jackie O, on October 20th, 1968, in a private ceremony on the on the island of Scorpios. Nice. Headlines around the world read, this is wild to me. These are literal headlines. Quote, Jackie, why? <laughs> what? <laughs> in all caps. Quote, Jackie, how could you? Quote, Jack Kennedy dies today for the second time. Whoa. That one is fucking ridiculous. This one is funny to me. Quote, Jackie marries blank check. Man, people just hate women. Uh, could they not understand? No, they couldn't. This, I mean, have some nuance, have some understanding. This is a woman that you allegedly Loved, admire. Right? and yeah. like, Right. Embraced. Right. So the public lost their minds. And it was like personally offensive to them for some reason that she was marrying this dude. Right. Obviously, it was no one's business. But in their defense, he had infamously beat his first wife almost to death when she was pregnant with his daughter, Christina. Oh, holy shit. In an attempt to make her lose the child. Oh, wow. He had an extremely long and very public affair with the most famous soprano of the 20th century, or honestly of all time, Maria Callas. He started seeing Maria again just two weeks after his marriage to Jackie when he flew to Maria's Paris apartment and broke down in tears at her feet to tell her he'd made a huge mistake. We should do Maria one day because I saw a documentary on her once and uh, she'd be a good one for sure. And her relationship with Ari is really interesting and crazy. Hmm. 
Christina and, and Alexander, Ari's adult children, hated Jackie with a vengeance. They were holding out hope that he would get back together with their mom. Oh, so wow. They, so they had a terrible relationship with Jackie. But uh, they actually had a pretty sweet relationship with Caroline and John John, which I thought was weird but cute. Mm-hmm. I've heard conflicting info on how Ari got along with Caroline and John John. I remember you bringing it, bringing it up in Junior's episode, but... Like, he just didn't really care for him. Yeah. That's all that, like, I ever read. And I think maybe JFK Jr. just never actually said how he actually felt because, you know, he's a Kennedy. Right, right. I think that, like, Ari tried his best because he knew the kids had been through a lot. So it was like when it came to them, he tried to be, like, whatever they needed him to be. Like, if they needed him to be at a little bit of a distance, that was fine. If, like, he wanted to throw a football with Jr., that was fine. Like, it was just in that respect, I kind of like what the kind of stepfather father that he was to these kids. Right. Um, anyway, but I know that almost immediately things went bad between he and Jackie. Right. He kind of thought that he was marrying a trophy wife that he could show off in front of the world. But and, and like tell her when to speak and who to speak to and control her life. But despite the fact that Jackie was dependent on him, she was never going to be that. She was 40 years old now and done being defined by her husband. And he resented that she spent a lot of time in New York with the kids and only lived full time with him when the kids were out of school. Mm. In his mind, he didn't get what he paid for. (laughs) Jesus. Yeah. They uh, would have these really messy fights in public and he would call her stupid and berate her in front of people to the point where one time he was like he was pissed at her like at a party that they were throwing on the christina and she straight up jumped off of the yacht like she was like fuck this i'm out and like jumped off (laughs) and just like swam away he was also very furious that she was spending too much money so they had a shit ton of problems it seemed like everyone and everything was against them and then four years into the marriage in january of 1973 ari's son alexander died tragically in a plane crash this fucking broke Ari. He was never the same. He would spend hours upon hours at Alex's grave with a bottle of Uzo and two glasses, one for him and one for Alex, and just drink and drink and drink. Wow. Greek people, I guess, are very superstitious. And everyone started telling Ari that Jackie had brought the Kennedy curse with her. Mm. Also around this time, Ari's business took huge hits and he lost a lot of his wealth. I mean, like he was still rich as fuck, but still like a lot of his wealth disappeared anyway ari and his daughter christina became convinced that she was cursed and ari started making moves he rewrote his will in favor of christina uh to leave jackie just two hundred thousand a year plus 25k a year for each of the kids until they turned 21 Hmm. then he started asking lawyers for advice about how to go about divorcing her and protecting his assets but then it became apparent that ari was ill in fact he was dying so all of a sudden the divorce stuff was kind of put on hold. Right. Jackie spent a lot of time with him during his illness in Greece. And when he stabilized, she took what she thought was a quick trip back to New York to be with the kids when she got word that he died in 1975, just two years after the death of his son. Wow. I think that Greek law is such that Jackie would have gotten a lot more if she wanted to, especially, uh, I mean, despite the fact that he had rewritten his will. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she settled without like that much contention with Christina after a couple years 
and she walked away with $26 million. Wow. Christina had a fucking crazy life and weird death, which I think we should get into at some point. Also, if you think about it, Christina lost her dad and her brother yeah. and her and her mom actually all within 26 months. So, wow. yeah, Christina's life is crazy. Anyway, after Ari's death, Jackie moved back to Manhattan permanently, where she shocked the world by getting a job hey. as an editor, first at Viking and later at Doubleday. When she first entered the workforce, she was met with skepticism. But when people saw how well she did her job, she gained the respect of her coworkers and the public at large. She famously edited Michael Jackson's autobiography, Moonwalk, and was shocked to discover that he was borderline illiterate. She also edited Carly Simon's memoir and became a close friend of the singer-songwriter. Her expertise was in history and in art, so the books that she edited on those subjects seemed to be particularly well-regarded. But her work, for the most part, it received very good reviews. Wow. Jackie threw herself into her work as well as the preservation of historical architectural sites around New York, including the famous campaign to preserve Grand Central Station. And in 1980, she also threw herself into some uncut gem dick when she started dating longtime friend and diamond merchant Maurice Templesman. Nice. <laughs> Maurice was married, but his wife was an Orthodox Jew who would never divorce him, nor did I think he have any interest in obtaining a legal dissolution of the marriage. But he and his wife were estranged and had been for like decades or whatever. So he was only married on paper. Uh, first, he moved into a hotel near Jackie's apartment. But a few years later, they were just like, fuck it. And he moved in like for real, for real. Oh, wow. Oh, and also he was like some kind of financial genius because he flipped her $26 million, by some estimation at least two or three times. Wow. Great. Uh, yeah. So she loved this man and he loved her and they seemed to have this beautiful easy relationship they would read together and take walks in central park and of course they were serious patrons of the arts and the opera and like they they were really cute and i'm really happy that she found love not to say that she didn't love her husband she loved jfk although he couldn't love her back in the same way right and, and she loved what ari could offer her and her children which was a sense of security that i think she worried that she could never have again and mm. That actually, when she finally got that, that actually allowed her to finally start taking the steps to get mentally better. Right. So once she secured the physical safety of her family and herself, uh, she was able to start finally going to therapy. Ironically, to Marilyn Monroe's old therapist. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Why are their lives intersecting so much? Uh, and by the way, this was not... Marilyn's therapist, the dude that she was sleeping with when she died, this was like the good one. <laughs> the one that she left like half her marriage, half her money to. So she finally was able to get help for her PTSD now that the condition was more well known and understood. Thank goodness. Right. In November 1993, in the course of receiving treatment after being thrown from her horse, it was discovered that she had cancer, non-Hodgkin lymphoma. They threw everything they had at her, surgery, chemo, radiation, but the cancer spread to her spinal cord, brain, and liver. After electing to stop treatment, she died in her sleep on May 18th, 1994, at age 64. She was buried at Arlington National Cemetery alongside JFK and their ch two children, Patrick and Arabella. Hmm. And that's the story of Queen Jackie Kennedy Onassis. Good job, man. 
That shit was long. It was <laughs> long as fuck, dude. When I was like halfway through it and I'm like, we could have done a two part. Like we could have done it like we did MJ. Yeah. That shit's crazy. Yeah, yeah. There's so many people that intersect in her life, too. So it's like. Right. Super interesting. Hmm. R.I.P. R.I.P. To like almost everybody in that story. Dude. Except for Caroline. Right. Yeah. 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 Hmm. I never, you're right. It's like, uh, uh, sometimes I don't think of what Caroline has been through, but. Oh, man. Yeah. Another woman who we should commend for. Her strength. Her, her strength, yeah. Well, <sighs> that was this week's drum club, guys. <laughs> Thanks for let's, listening. Let's do a happy one next week. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> uh, hit us up on Instagram and Twitter at Drama Club Pod and on the website dramaclubpod.com. On the hotline, 505-530-556 at our P.O. Box, P.O. Box number 27433-LACA-90027. Leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Tip us on our website. And we'll talk to you next week Thursday with an afternoon delight episode. Bye. Bye. However, whatever with your helmet.